Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable free forum discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers on Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's a shaman columnist. He's also a lore aficionado. He's Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello, everybody. I hope everybody's having a great Sunday. How's it going? I am having a great weekend. My sister came up uh, with her fiancé, so it's been great. We've been hanging out, having a good time. Fantastic. Cool. Also with us is our other lore aficionado and columnist over at Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hey, everybody. A.K.A. also the DM. <laughs> well, in this group, Joe DMs all the time, so it doesn't really count, but... Yeah, I DM'd yesterday. We did a Blizzard Watch D&D game, and if you get a chance to listen to that when it goes up on the site, you should. These people are crazy. Um, uh, the, the denouement of the entire thing involved somebody getting sat on. Let me just say that. It was so great. I had such a good time. Anyway, we have stuff to talk about. Actually, what we have to talk about. Um, last episode, we were talking about all of the stuff that came out with the new patch, and we didn't really get to any of the emails whatsoever, which... Honestly, um, that wasn't really a surprise. So we went ahead and carried them over, and I also picked up some extra ones that we had sitting in the inbox. We'll see if we can get through those today or if we go off the rails as per usual. Um, today I will be nothing but business. <laughs> nothing but business. Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> business lore. No, that's just not going to happen. But anyway, uh, if you guys have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure you put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show and not the other podcast. Um, let's just jump right into this. Oh, and fair warning, if you haven't played through all of the recent content that was introduced with 8.1.5, 8.1.5? Yeah, 8.1.5. If you haven't played through... 8.2 is in the PTR right now, so yeah. Yeah, if you haven't played through all of that content yet, there may be spoilers in here. Just saying. But it's been out for several weeks now, so go get caught up, okay? Okay. So our first email comes from Zach B, who says, Hello! Possible spoilers for the Zandalari recruitment quest chain ahead. I'd love to know what you guys think about Bon Samdi telling Talanji that he will forgive her father's debt if she brings him the war chief's head when she is seeking the Loa's blessings to become queen. Thanks, Zach B. Um, yeah, that was kind of a pivotal moment because she was looking for the favor of the Loa and Bon Samdi was the last one that she walked up to. Um, he took the place of Razan because obviously Razan is no more. And Ponsamdi offered her a proposition. He said flat out, hey, I'll go ahead and forgive your father's deal if you kill Sylvanas and bring me her head. And Talanji doesn't agree to this. She says, no, I've built these bonds. And Ponsamdi seems almost a little bit reluctant. I don't, I don't know... If you guys have played through this completely or played through that scenario or seen everything in that scenario, but I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Um, I would Joe, if you want to go first, feel free because you play Horde more. I've watched the video. Yeah, I've played it. I've played through it. I've played through it uh, a couple times now just because you can have multiple servers that I need to lock it on because I'm that type of person. Uh, but it. It doesn't really strike me as odd because no matter what the decision is, it serves his needs, right? Either he's still the Loa raised above all others and he still has that bond and that position of prominence that essentially makes him the king of all Loa. It's a little more nuanced than that, but for for lack of time to explain all of it, uh, like he is literally replacing Razan in that role. So either he stays in that role, which is great for him because, well it's power, it's importance, it means that he's going to be worshipped, and worship equals power, or they're going to murder Sylvanas, and that takes something off the table that he doesn't want to deal with, because at the end of the day, she's a problem. She's a problem for him, because she has no concept of balance, right? And he even calls that out uh, multiple times. Like, when you're doing the Vulgen stuff, he even says, you know, she has no no concept of balance, she has no idea what the natural order of things are and she disrupts that so either she dies and he removes a piece that is a thorn in his side because well again low of death or he's alive but he's still a position of prominence and he hedges his bets and gambles and says somebody else is going to kill her or remove her from the table at some point so it was a win-win for him either way 
I want to ask, uh, when you said you seemed kind of reluctant, Anne, what did you mean specifically? When you say, when Talanji says, I'm not going to do it, there was just kind of a little bit of note of, oh, well, in his voice, where he yeah, was I, like... I, I didn't read that as reluctance. I read that as... I picked um, the wrong word. Yeah, okay, because yeah, I think he's very, he's very flippant, but he uses flippancy to disguise a lot. There's a lot of nuance. Uh, Alex Desert's performance is fantastic, by the way. I, I, I loathe Juan Samdi, but I think it's an amazing performance. That's because I, that's why I loathe him because he's so well done. He is a very f- fully nuanced character that is smarmy and self self satisfied and smug. And he gets all that across. He does a brilliant job. I think uh, everything Joe said, I agree with. Like, um, which you know, hey, it must be that time of the year. Um, <laughs> everything Joe said, I agree with. And I think, I think he's he wants to see what Talanji is made of. He he mm-hmm. had a he had a hook on Rastakhan. He understood Rastakhan. Well, he had been also dealing with Rastakhan for for yeah, forever for decades. Rastik, yeah, Rastakhan had been king for you know at least three four decades yeah so he he knew rastakhan he knew what he was working with but talanji's different she's not like her father she's not like really like anybody that he's dealt with before so he's he's sounding her out he says he's giving her this choice to see okay what's more important to you what you've said you're going to do what you've committed to or freedom like where are you on this? Will will you take this choice to free yourself from a burden, even if it's going to endanger everything you've been working for, or will you accept the bonds that have been put on you for the benefit of your people? And that's the choice she made. She doesn't like Sylvanas. She doesn't trust Sylvanas, but she's not going to betray Sylvanas now when it will harm her people and not benefit them at all. It'll benefit her, but not them. And she knows that. So I thought that was really fascinating from both of them. You you get a sense of who they, they both really are. You get a sense that um, Bon Sandy is going to keep playing these games to try and figure her out. And she's going to keep making the choices that benefit her people above all. So if, if it benefits her people to turn on Sylvanas, she'll do it in a heartbeat. But she won't do it for no reason. Okay, follow-up question to that. Immediately after Talanji finishes that ceremony, she has you go call Sylvanas to come to her at the top of the pyramid and tells mm-hmm. Sylvanas that she will join with the Horde as equals and makes it a point to emphasize that whole as equals perspective. Do you think that was as a direct result of Bon Samdi's line of questioning and his mm. request? No, I don't think it was that. I think... I think that's what she would have done regardless of Bwam Samdi because she, the way she presented it wasn't that, you know, it it's because of other reasons. It's, no, I am a queen. I need to lead my people. And earlier in the scenario, don't forget that she also is addressing a distraught populace who is mad that Bwam Samdi is in charge and that she's essentially taking up the, the position of his high priest. Uh, there's this whole thing where she's trying to quell them without killing the dissenting voices. And she's trying to be a just and fair ruler, but she can't bend the knee to another ruler so soon. That will just undo literally all of that, show her as weak, and possibly cause another Zool situation. And she can't afford that now. And we all saw how the Zool situation played out. That was not exactly the best. And Rastakhan was not a weak king. So no. I think it, I think it's more, she has to be a strong queen to her people, she has to be that leader. See, I, I think I again, I, I don't disagree with what Joe's saying, but I do think there's a certain amount of influence by what Buan Samdi asked of her, in that she wants to show Buan Samdi just because I didn't say yes to you doesn't mean I think this person is like super great and I'll just do whatever she says. I'm my I am my own person. I'm not your puppet and I'm not her puppet. If I'm gonna what, everything I do is I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. queen. I'm doing these things. I'm making these choices. They're my choices and I will live with them and I will make new ones when the situation demands it. You don't run me. I may be the high priest of your, you know, of Juan Samdi because you've you've ascended to that role, but don't think you tell me what to do. Um, you know, you, you are, as far as she's concerned, he's an interloper in that job. She oh, doesn't yeah. want him there. And she, she'll work with him because she has to, it is her position. She is required to, but, 
make no mistake, she's not his plaything any more than she's Sylvanas's. And t- I also think she's trying to send a message a little bit like this is setting up this is setting up a future where everybody tells the war chief this, if that makes sense. Where everyone's like, Yes, I'm I'm in the horde, but my people well you know i i feel like that's some something that's being established i I agree i absolutely agree with that especially when you consider the other scenario when we talked about last time with the whole bane and the freeing of Derek proudmore and how that scenario ended and if you and again if you have done this uh and you didn't talk with the people all the leaders around there i mean find a way to go back and do it on another character or something in literally talk to every single person there you can see that exact thing starting to happen right like you can see them starting to talk like no this is this is a little bit too far and what she's starting to do is starting to get a little bit like our autonomy starting to go away and that goes against what the horde was originally when it was founded right like every race was supposed to have a voice and now that voice is slowly slowly being erased so i i agree with rossi i think this is setting up where they're not going to bend the knee. And I think that's going to be a, a friction point. I think the main reason that I was asking this is because when you level through the horde side experience and, you know, you're leveling, you're talking to Talanji pretty frequently, her only points of contact for the horde for the most part are you, Bane, um, oh my gosh, I forget the name of Troll Guy and he's so good, Rokan. Rokan. Yeah. Rokan and... and occasionally Nathanos, but only occasionally Nathanos. So the experience that Talanji has in interacting with the Horde is almost, it's like a very different kind of experience where she isn't really, she doesn't have the clear picture of Sylvanas because she doesn't really talk to Sylvanas all that much. And honestly, everything that Sylvanas is doing through Nathanos, it's taking place out on the docks, way far away from everything else that's going on. So I'm, I kind of wondered if Buon Samdi, by asking that question, kind of turned Talanji's attention a little more towards Sylvanas. Not necessarily in a, well, I need to kill her aspect, but in a, maybe this is somebody I really need to start keeping an eye on. I certainly think you can make a case for that. Um, I don't know that she was ever ignorant of Sylvanas, but I definitely think being asked to murder her is definitely going to make you think, What? And now, now she's like, why, why would did you he want that? Yeah, why would you yeah. want that? What's going on with her? There's a point here that's interesting that maybe I was missing before. Well, yeah, and I think I think maybe that's more it. Like instead of just viewing her as somebody who, you know, runs the horde and has like an iron grasp on things or whatever, and being somebody that she needs to be wary of for other reasons, now she becomes a person of intrigue to her, right? Like it's what is she doing that has him unsettled? Not even unsettled, because, I mean, if she doesn't trust Buon Samdi, the only thing that she has to work with is Buon Samdi knows this woman's name, and he's concerned about her. Maybe he wants her dead. Maybe he wants me to see or wants to see what I would do in that instance. Either which way, her name has come up on the lips of Aloha, which means there's something there that I need to pay attention to. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I do not disagree with that. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you for the question, Zach, and we're going to go ahead and move on. Um, this one is from Vesteren, who's a Night Elf Druid on Airy Peak, who says, Hi, Lore Watchers. So, I was doing the new enchanting questline, and it got me thinking. Were the dressed people wiped out, or were a lot of them actually assimilated into Kul'tiran society? The Thorn Speaker sided with the Kul'tirans. Might other dressed have followed their example? A relatively recent infusion of Vrykul blood might explain the larger average size of Kul'tirans, as well as some of the as well as some of the shamanic shamanic the shaman elements (laughs) of the Tide Sages. Thoughts, and that's from Vesteren. Um, Rossi, I'm going to let you start here because this is. Alliance stuff, and you're a little bit more familiar with that kind of thing. And we let Joe uh, talk first well, last time, so hey. Yeah, we, we know the Drust are very cool because there's a, an interview that Alex Afrasiabi did um, at BlizzCon where he flat out said it. So the Drust are very cool. They were very cool that after the big Sundering disaster, they ended up on Kul Terrace. They settled it and lived there for centuries until humans showed up. Um, in fact, they fought, they fought, apparently fought other Vrykul. 
Um, when you get that late, when you first do the the dross stuff, there's a, a one of the one of the stone um I don't what monoliths. Yeah, one of the monoliths you read has a basically says that they had fought other people that looked like themselves or great beasts, and then they fought um, effectively gnomes, like something that looks small like gnomes, and then they fought Naga before the humans came. So during that time, the Naga were interested in Drustvar, in Drustvar and in, in the island that is now called Terrace way before the current day. So that's something to keep in mind for later. Um, but yeah, the, the Drust were Vrykul who settled it. And that means that they and humans are related. Uh, the humans are also Vrykul descendants. And it means the Drust were under the curse of flesh, which meant they were coming, they were being downsized the same as everybody else. Uh, and if you look at the Drust constructs that Gorak Tool used, it's definitely similar to the whole Vrykul thing of, you know, having constructs. Vrykul, you know, they would it would have been a half-remembered thing that they there was a time that they were stone and they could kind of return to stone in a way. Uh, it's not quite the same as the Mogu reverse engineering, but there's there's elements of it. The Thorn Speakers, the druids that that turned on the the rest of the Drust, they they were specifically offended by Gorok Tool and the stuff he was doing. They considered his his kind of magic to be anathema because he was it's like Essentially, he wasn't balancing his death stuff with life stuff because the, the Drust Druids are all about death because death's a part of life. You, do, you live, you die. That's, you know, it's all part of the cycle. But they, he wasn't doing that. He was like, nope, I'm going to use death magic to rip the souls out of my people and stick them in constructs. And they were like, no, no, we're not down for this. So they actually broke away from him during his reign. It wasn't necessarily about the humans. It was about the way he was fighting the war and they they turned to the humans and it said previously it said that some humans some of the Kulterans learned turned to the Thorn speakers and learned the ways of druidism no one's ever said the drus the, the drus druids and the Kulterans, you know had kids together there's drus blood in the Kulterans. that's not been said but it's possible we know that for instance there's at least one drus druid still alive um, Ulfar. Ulfar is alive right now. He doesn't come out of bear form ever, but he's alive, and that implies that at other times there were more than just him, and that they were they were the ones teaching the, the their techniques to the Kalterans. It's possible that the potential for druid magic comes from those trust that you know married into Kalteran lines and had children. We don't know. It is it possible though. And it's also possible. the drust are pretty long lived. Yeah, he's yeah. still alive and kicking. The thing is, is he's still alive, but it's pretty obvious he's doing it through druid magic. That's why he's, for one thing, that's why he's always in bear form. Uh, it feels like he basically has kind of done the opposite of what Gorak Tool did. Gorak, you know, Gorak Tool um, basically used the uh, Thros as a storage place for the souls of his people and then would, like, pull them out and stick them in new bodies. And when he was stabbed and was going to die, he went to Thros so he wouldn't die. It feels like Ulfar has done, like, if Thros is this realm in the land of the dead, which is what, you know, we'll have to talk about it at some point. It feels like Ulfar's got his own bolt hole in the uh, Emerald Dream where he is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that he would hold up there, too, especially if he's a druid, right? Yeah, and they're doing this whole thing where when, when Gorak Tool confronts Ulfar, he insults him. Like, he's like, this is what you are now, little bear? And Ulfar's like, yeah, you're a monstrosity. You don't get to talk to me. The two of them very clearly have a personal animosity. They, they've hated each other for, I mean, as long as there's been people on Kul Tiras, because it's, it's down to Ulfar that the Kul Tirans survived. So are the Kul Tirans the descendants of the Drust? Maybe? I mean, Lady Waycrest went crazy and started summoning the Drust back, um... And she could do it. She used Drust magic. So the Drust magic is teachable to humans. You know, we're related to them, even if they're not directly related, because we're as humans, we're Vry they're Vrykul descendants. The Kulterans are descendants of the Vrykul one way or the other. But it's quite possible that they're interbred. It's, it is quite possible. I mean, I would say it's almost probable, too. Like, I mean... Maybe, but we, there, it has not been said. That what's, what's said is that after a long time fighting, the, the, the Drust were losing, and... Gork Tool felt like they didn't have enough people to really wage the war he wanted, so he began ripping their souls out of the land of the dead and sticking them in construct bodies um, without really asking or even 
caring what he was doing and that's pretty much what cost him the thorn speakers they were like no we're out we were we were iffy on this whole thing when you were just slaughtering people for no reason but this is absolutely no we are not this is not happening so so he was kind of pulling an odin sort of kind of actually it's very similar it, it and you know what else is really weird i uh-huh. was writing about a loon I was writing about a loon this week and someone pointed out that one of a loon's roles as the night warrior mm-hmm. is to take the souls of the valiant dead. And actually they didn't point this out. I, I found this part. They'd mentioned that a loon, one of the things a loon does is takes the souls of the dead and there's the night warrior. And I went and looked it up and specifically the night warrior is supposed to take the souls of the valiant dead and hang them up in the sky as stars to be ready. And that's, that's exactly what a loon does with, with Ysera. Yep. We see her do that. That's the night warrior that does that. That takes you, Sarah, and pulls her up into the sky and makes a constellation out of her. The Night Warrior has apparently always done this. So the Night Elves also have a tradition of this spirit that is light and healing and benevolence that is also death and war and destruction. So the Drust, the Drust's version of Druidism is starting to seem more and more like the Night Elf version of Druidism, just with different names. And Thros and that, what's the name of that tree? Oh, the Drust tree, it's sacred. The one that, um, oh, goal. I know what you're talking about, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. The Drust have like the equivalent of a of a one of the great trees of the Druids, except it's it's a Drust one, and it's very similar, and it has like a a bond to the to the Shadowlands. It's a bond to Thros. Thros is the one where you you go downstairs when you're going to find Jaina. That tree. Yeah, that tree. So there's a lot of similarities between these these various concepts, and it's. It's striking to me that you've got this sort of the Vrykul aspect where Odin tries to reach into the Shadowlands to create warriors. You've got that's exactly what Gorak Tull does. That's exactly what he does. He just does it poorly compared to Odin. Odin does it better. But is it surprising that someone as powerful as Odin is better at this than somebody who was just a Drust warlord? Not really. You'd expect, you know, Odin had Helia to show him how to do it right. You know, you know what? Though? I wonder if that has to do with like the materials available too. Like, and it sounds like a weird thing to say, I'm sure. But like, if you look at Odin, Odin was basically crafting the bodies for them using Titan tech, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and the Drust were using trees, like rocks and trees and dirt. yeah, yeah. Which I mean, we've seen pretty effective constructs made of that. But like, if you look at them, they're all I don't know, I don't want to say more fragile, but I'm wondering if that had something to do with it too. It might. I mean, they definitely feel like they've been grown in a way that the, the Titan ones weren't. But it, it it is also not surprising that, you know, if Gorik Tool is a Drust, the Drust are Vrykul who got separated from the rest of their people when the big, you know, Sundering happened and ended up on these islands. They were like pirates and reavers for an unknown amount of time. It's like they, he's they, playing they, Mini Odin. Yeah, but it's it's not surprising that he wouldn't remember exactly how it was done. And he would have to relearn it. Like they even says one of the things when you look up the dresses, it even says that you, they 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 slowly learned how to do this. And all those those stone and bone fetishes around Drusfar, that's the sample. Those are remnants of when they were learning how to do this. Like when they curse someone's home, they put a fetish outside of it to obsess their minds. It's a similar it's a similar kind of magic. It's the, the way they learn to do it. Um, so in a way, it's them learning how to do the same stuff that the Vrykul originally did but in their flesh bodies because the they now they are flesh and bo- blood and bone so how do we use this to make these constructs and i think joe's right the materials at hand just weren't they weren't titan forged they don't have a giant titan forge they can't just grow storm forged bodies they had to use what they had so yeah there there's definitely a lot there and i definitely think the original question about whether or not the colterians are descended from them i definitely think there's some some interbreeding some intermarriage some intermixing because they not just because they're bigger, although they are, and it's really cool to play one because you do look kind of like a Vrykul already, but because they are distinctive. Well, and I also yeah. think this is where the shaman, the shamanistic tradition plays in as well, too, because like we've we've established that not everybody can be a shaman, right? Like that's mm-hmm. yeah. like not everybody can be a druid. So if the Drust were sort of capable of, of having similar things and now Kul'Tirans are with the Tide Sages and now actual legitimate uh, shamans, full shamans, I could totally see that being the source of that sort of like connection with that ele- like that elemental binding. You know what it reminds me of too is when you went to uh, Northrend the first time back in, in Wrath and yep. those, the, the I want to say 
Iron Dwarves, but I can't remember the name of them. They oh, the Frost Dwarves, yeah. Fro- no, not the Frost Dwarves. Uh, the ones that were working for Loken. Because you go to that, you go to that dwarf city, and there's there's a bunch of giants fighting outside of it because some of the giants are being enslaved by runes, and some of the giants I, are rising. Yeah, up. they're just Iron Dwarves. Iron Dwarves. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The Iron Dwarves there are using runes. They're using, sh- you know, basically, and that you oh, see yeah. that again. In, you see that again up in Alduar. Yeah. Uh, there's an iron dwarf there who's using runes, and there's actually a Vrykul who's a rune speaker. Remember, there's that Vrykul who puts a big rune down on the ground. Well, there's an entire encounter based around that, where one of them is a Vry- is a Vrykul, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yes, the keepers. So, so there's we know that the runic magic is something that the Titans had. It's a Titan forged secret, and we know that runic magic of that type is similar to shamanic magic. We we've had that established before. There was going to even be the there, there was talk of there being the rune speaker class that used runes in that way. So I find myself wondering if the reason that Colterans have kind of a shamanic tradition without knowing what shamans are is because it's runic based and it's descended from that Drust rune crafting. It would make sense. You know, and but what really gets me is out of all of this, one of the things we've learned is not just that the Drust and the the Colterans are inter interwoven, but the Drust had to fight the the the, the Naga off. From these islands. Yep. The Naga were trying to get here thousands of years ago. Why? Is it just, is it, you know, the stuff we're going to learn coming up? Is it the stuff we've already seen? Like, what, what's going on? That's something that connects back to this whole idea of if the mm-hmm. Colterans are Drust descended, then that affects that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we talked to that one a lot. Thank you for the question. Uh, next email is from Buckweister from Earthen Ring, who says, quick questions to Anne, Matt, and Joe. Does an alternate Azeroth exist, and could we, the players, retreat there if things go wrong on Azeroth Prime? Theoretically, and maybe? Uh, I believe I believe it was stated that, yes, there is an alternate Azeroth. Because, yeah. I mean, people were asking about this back during um, Warlords of Draenor, because yeah. we were going to an alternate Draenor, and they were like, well, if there's an alternate Draenor, does that mean that there's an alternate Azeroth? And somebody at some point said yes there is but we're not concerned with that um so i I'm guess gonna... go, no, ahead. go ahead no i was just gonna say remember kairos mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the bronze drake he didn't just say there's one alternate draenor he says there are as many as blades of grass and each of them slightly different good old string theory and that means there's as many alternate azeroths and the way the Titans did the whole timeway thing, where they basically said there's one true timeline and the rest kind of come in and go out, that means we don't really understand how this works. But yeah, if you could go to one alternate Draenor, but say there are many others, and he was looking for one that was just the right one. Remember, he was looking for a specific one that didn't have certain things that our Draenor did. Um, the, the alternate Draenor we went to didn't have a garage. Because mm-hmm. his mother died before she had him, and it didn't. Ha- it had a Rolcon because she wasn't dead yet, and that's you know Rolcon, uh, the wife of uh oh bloody heck, I can't remember his name, and I know who, exactly who I'm talking about. I hate when I freeze up like this. Uh, not Nerzul. Gul'dan, but his Nerzul, Thank you. Nerzul's wife Rolcon died in, on a, on the Draenor that we know, the one that's that's Outland today. She died before any of the events uh, of the Horde's rise could happen. She, in fact, um, Kil'jaeden used her like image to fool Ner'zhul into helping form the Horde in the first place. He pretended to be her spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, on the alternate world, she was still alive when the Iron Horde rose up, which meant she was still alive when Gul'dan was attempting to corrupt that Horde. That Gul'dan was still attempting to corrupt that Horde. Remember, he's still trying to get them to drink the blood. Manoroth still shows up. But he was trying to do it in a world where... Nurzul had never lost his wife and thus had never agreed to to like create the horde in the first place. They were trying to brute force it there. They were trying to get around that. So things were different way before, you know, Garash even showed up. That was a different Draenor with a different outcome. If and that's the one that was close enough for Kairos's purposes. So there's like probably a world where the Red Pox never happened, the the Ogre Empire never fell. Um the uh ogres never developed an empire the orcs you know kept getting smaller and more civilized there could be dozens and dozens and hundreds and just constant alternate draenors they just weren't close enough for kairos's purposes it's the infinite possibilities of the void and of the infinite dragonflight 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that implies that, yeah, there could be lots of alternate Azeroths, but that doesn't mean we want to go there. Well, yeah, I mean, because think about it that way. There, there's always there's an Azeroth where, you know, the Azeroth is born and Titan and the Titan's been corrupted by the Void. There is an Azeroth where Sargeras succeeded. There's, you know, all of those bad things that we've been staying the hand of for, you know, thousands of years at this point. Well, eh, there, there's ones that exist like that. So we, we could retreat there. It may not be the best idea, but we could find yeah, one to retreat actually. This might actually be the best possible yeah. Azeroth. We we li- we could literally be on the 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 best cut of Azeroth we could possibly have. But what if there's a version of Azeroth where the old gods never arrived, or a version of Azeroth where the Titans were never born? Oh, there could be. If you had a version of Azeroth where the old gods never arrived, then it's just an elemental chaos of the mm-hmm. the elemental lords fighting across its surface forever, and it would never get past that. It would just be elementals, and in, inside of it. Just Azeroth constantly absorbing the spirit energy and growing and growing and never, never encountering anything. So that world would just be this roiling elemental chaos, which does imply something else. It implies that other worlds that had a Titan soul were not going to develop past a certain point, depending on how much spirit energy that Titan soul was eating. We know Azeroth is an unusually powerful Titan soul. And she's drawing a ton of spirit energy, which is why there's no spirit elementals and no spirit elemental lord. Um, but we don't know if, like, say, Argus, if Argus had never been tampered with, was, would that world have developed life, like sapient life? Or would it just have been roiling elemental chaos on the surface? Or was that elemental drawing, was that Titan soul drawing less spirit into itself? Yeah, there's, there's a lot we don't know about that, too. Like, And we also don't know how that worked with Amanthul, right? Because he was the first to be born. Yeah, we and, have no idea what Amanthul's world looked like. We don't yeah, know what have, any of their worlds looked like. And we don't know what the process is with any of them. We we also don't know if any of them were born naturally and discovered later, too. Like, we have a rough idea uh, of what happened, but that's that's it. That's all we have is a rough idea. And, and we that, didn't... We could have asked them, but now they're, they're out in the middle of nowhere. So. Well, that kind of reminds me, too, though, of Draenor here. Draenor didn't have a Titan soul in it. Correct. But it had tons of spirit. Mm-hmm. And that that amount of spirit energy could easily have been nourishing to a Titan soul, but there was no Titan soul to nourish. That also so it mean. became, it became the uh, overgrowth there. The, the, the giant plant monster that eventually became because of what, um, Oh, bloody heck. Agrimar, because of what Agrimar did, you ended up with, um, the, the breakers and the primordials. So one thing, one thing I always wondered, and, and I've been wondering this since Legion and particularly when we were doing the burning throne, uh, raid encounters, when the Titan spirits sort of like shot off into to space after being chopped down by Sargeras, I always wondered what would happen if you were to take a planet like Draenor that was rich in spirit and didn't have a Titan soul and shove a Titan soul into it. What would happen? Like, would that Titan then eventually basically like, you know, like a potted plant spring into life Oh, again? Or, you know, is that what A&R was trying to do? Not just hide out on you know elenara but was elenara a planet a backup plan for her where you know that was a rich because if you look at it if it's a rich verdant world crawling with similar thing like an overgrowth style life uh that's been moderately shaped by titans ready to go was that why she was there you know sticking her soul into that planet to nourish herself and regrow a body like i always wondered about that if that's something that could be done don't know we haven't established it but it, it certainly makes sense how far off of this question have we gotten uh pretty far <laughs> off but what i'm wondering is I'm, I'm, I'm going to reel us back into it for a minute here um we know that there are alternate azeroths we haven't encountered any of them they're just out there well, it's I mean, much like draenor there's a million million possibilities let me ask you a question before you ask your question does war games count as us encountering them or does thrall twilight of the aspects count Thrall Twilight of the Aspects definitely does. And War Crimes does too. Because War Crimes War Crimes was Kairos opening a portal and there were various versions of characters coming through. So there was like a different Bane, a different Anduin, a different... Like they were coming through that portal to confront everybody in, in the room there. And then Thrall Twilight of the Aspects... Thrall was going in and out of time trying to find Nazdormu, and along the way he was finding very different versions of reality with Teratha and with um, Blackmore. So 
those are kind of, those are, we already have different representatives of those alternate Azeroths where different things happened. All of the examples we've been given though are of terrible, terrible things. Like terrible things were going on, terrible things happened. So we might be on the ideal iteration, but we really don't know because the only thing we've been exposed to is the bad, right? The one person that might know though is, you know, Alliance side now. She might be able to figure out that now since she's connected with the void and sees all possibilities. Yeah, there's that. Or we could talk to Chromie. Or, you know, if we talk to Chromie and Chromie found something along those lines, that might be a good reason for people to want to get rid of Chromie. I was just going to say maybe that's why they tried to kill Chromie. <laughs> I'm just saying. You. It's Chromie trying to kill Chromie. You know it is. It has to be. But why is Chromie trying to kill Chromie? Is Chromie trying to kill Chromie because Chromie was looking into things that got her dangerously close to being an infinite dragon or trying or or turning into an infinite dragon? It could be that. It could be infinite dragon Chromie trying to kill yep. her in the first Because we've never encountered infinite dragon Chromie. We we can make the assumption that infinite dragon Chromie exists out there in some capacity. Yeah. Or it could be Chromie from an alternate Azeroth. Because we know that they can apparently open portals to other planes of existence. so And they're not all great and keen on the other side. So my thing is this. If, and we're going to go way back when we were talking about, and I don't even know if it was on this show or on the other show, but we were talking about if Blizzard wanted to kind of reboot things in terms of... Yeah, I think this was on the Blizzard Watch podcast, Rossi, when you and I were talking about the potential of... Um, no, it was here. We were talking about what happens if Sylvanas wins and how that kind of resets the stage and all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wouldn't another way to reset that stage be to literally reset that stage? Azeroth, as we know it, is too far gone. We need to escape. And we jump into an Azeroth that we've never seen before. We don't know what the status quo is. We have to figure it out. And that kind of eliminates that whole factional divide because we've got to work together. This is new. It's like brave new world for everybody. I also kind of like the idea that we become the invaders. Well, yeah. Essentially, it turns the Alliance into the Horde, kind of, sort of. But it also turns the Horde into the Alliance, kind of, sort of. Like, we all have a stake in establishing ourselves on whatever this new version of reality is. I mean, that's certainly one way you could do it. I don't know that they're going to do anything like that. I think that would be a really complicated way to do it, but... There's one other thing that they could do, though. I mean, the, let, let's assume for a moment that they wanted to... They've already kind of got a fresh slate Azeroth out there um, in that they did the movie, and then they did a comic book tie-in to the movie where they've got... It's a simpler canon for lack of a better word it's got everything that we know of it's got even got draenei on it but it's different enough it's different enough and it's simplified i mean and lothar is still alive he just killed blackhand mm -hmm. you could theoretically do a, something with that i don't think they're going to i think we're never going to hear from that again i think it's just a one and done <laughs> we get kicked but, into the alternate universe where it's movie canon <laughs> yeah but you, that wouldn't it, be a bad thing necessarily the movie canon you have to admit it was a lot simpler it was a lot uh, easier. Yeah, yes it was, it, was. It, it was fairly straightforward and it was a little bit it was yeah and i mean for that matter i mean the the idea of going to an alternate azeroth to reset things is certainly not a terrible one but honestly i don't even think it would be a bad idea just to do as an expansion um and one of the reasons i think it would be kind of interesting would be because you could you could actually do imagine doing an expansion where they decided okay we go to a world where Arthas didn't go evil he didn't become the Lich King the scourge was stopped before it destroyed Lord Aron Arthas what? is king of Lord Aron yeah. and yep. of all humanity yeah and you know like you know maybe he wouldn't be king of all humanity yet but he's like king of Lord Aron he's first among equals of a of a group that includes um Varian Rin ruler of the wife. seven kingdoms yeah and you've got varian and his his wife and young son are all there and uh you'd have colteris would be there jaina jaina and jaina is married to arthas so jaina and arthas are king Sylvanas and queen of, would not have been an undead creature at this sylvanas point. still up in um you know the goat Silverman. 
Silver Moon being Sylvanas. She's had Ranger General. She's got a human. She's probably tied to humanity again because she's got a human Ranger. So they've actually repaired the kind of split between the High Elves and the humans to some degree. And w- since Arthas lives in a world where the you know the the the, the orcs had just escaped from the to camps, what if the orcs still got on boats and sailed east? And, and they kind of west? established themselves farther away. And the thing yeah. is, is like, what if what if the orcs? establish themselves as hey we've changed we're okay we're redeemed or whatever and the humans just said okay you go do your thing well think about this if the orcs sailed over to to um effectively to kalimdor they get to they get in because you know kalimdor is no longer blocked but they don't they don't meet the night elves in a hostile way because there's nothing they're not running from anything there's no demons to like stoke the flames what if the night elves actually say all right you can settle here. We'll be watching you. If you push us, we'll kill you. And then orcs respect them because they're both warrior people. And because they did respect them. They didn't like them, but they respected each other. You Here's could actually the have funny the part. settle down. Here's the funny part about all of this. With this with this world that you have established. Imagine in this world that you established, a portal opens and we come through it. We're oh, the battle hardened oh, oh. group who are from an alternate reality where everything is horrible. Hold on a second. This world, Azara never made a deal with demons, right? There was no demonic presence. No, she would have. Everything would have been, yeah. Everything else would be the same? Yeah, the Sundering still happened or there wouldn't be two continents. So yeah, all that stuff still happened, but Azara hasn't been doing anything. She hasn't reached out to Illidan because the Legion didn't return yet. Mm-hmm. Remember, the Legion was going to return. They had the Scourge ready to go, but this time Arthas saw through it and didn't get turned into the Lich King. I mean, he doesn't get turned into a servant. He doesn't help them. He destroys the 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 uh, Scourge in North. You know, they they win. They win before the war happens. Imagine if in in the first campaign, the human campaign of Warcraft Three, Arthas is like, no, I'm not going to pick up that evil sword. I'm not doing it. I'm not turning my back on everything my father taught me. And he goes home and he faces the music. And there together, is no third war. Yes, there's no third war. Like Medivh successfully convinces people that that you know they got to band together in time, and they do. In this world, they they skip all that. The, the hostility that destroys you know half of hum, you know humanity that doesn't happen. The orcs aren't being chased because there's the humans are busy dealing with the scourge before it can destroy them. They get to the other continent. They're not running from any demons, and there's no demons on Kalimdor to deal with this time because they they never get established. The Lich King doesn't open the portal. That's the whole reason everything went really bad was because the Lich King opened the portal and allowed Archimond through onto the world. In this world, that doesn't happen. Archimond doesn't come through. The, the demons aren't a, aren't a factor like they were, and the orcs can go to Kalimdor and settle. And the only people they have to deal with are the night elves who don't use half of that land. Well, yeah, because it's uninhabited land, right? Like, yeah, it's, you know, you want, we'll let you use the barrens, sure. You can have the barrens and that, that weird deserty place that you want to call Duratar. Do you want to name it Duratar? Fine, go ahead. And uh, Thousand Needles, sure, that's mostly, you know, whatever. And the Tauren can still join with the orcs and still fight off the centaur. And Mulgore, the Night Elves have no interest in Mulgore either. So yeah, and they actually work out a deal because they're not fighting. It's the the orcs. The first encounter between the orcs and the Night Elves isn't we're gonna kill Cenarius. And Cenarius isn't on isn't, isn't on guard. Malfurion doesn't get woken up because why would he be? There's no demons to you know. So it's just Taronda and the Sentinels. There's no crazy druids. Taronda's not pushed off balance. She isn't. She isn't like furiously angry. So you know. She figures out a way to deal with them. You could actually have a better world. Like, I just I, I keep thinking about this because I, I, I I'm remembering war crimes at the end of war crimes when Kairos opens those portals and people start coming through and when meets a version of himself who is in much worse straits than he is presently in at that point in time. And he's kind of horrified because it's like, wow, there's a dark, dark world out there. We had to close this portal and da 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 da. Right. And in this instance, if we were to open a portal to this Azeroth and walk through, we would be those horrible visions. Yep. Yeah. Because in this world, Varian's probably still alive and best friends with the High King of Humanity. Yeah. And he's like, there's a world where you killed your father? And 
I you you turned into the Lich King? Was it the Lich King? I don't know. You apparently turned into it. I'm dead. Oh yeah, you got killed too, Dad. You got you got blown up by fell monsters. What? Like my my white Tiffin's dead? Oh yeah, yeah. She got killed in a riot. A riot? Why would the people of Stormwind riot? Oh well. Um, remember after you rebuilt it, uh, you didn't have the support of the other kingdoms. So yeah, uh, the, the black dragon money. flight. There was yeah. yeah. There wasn't enough money to pay the Masons, so, but you know, in in this world there would be because there's no third war. There's plenty. They, uh, the, there'd be plenty of you know. There'd still be threats. There'd still be stuff to fight. But overall, it'd be a lot. Deathwing would still be with. a thing. Yeah, but he probably wouldn't have come out because the world wouldn't be weakened enough that he would think now's the time, and he would never have gone to Outland. No, he did already. He did go to Outland, so that still happened. Okay, so there's stuff that still happened. There's still some bad stuff out there. The second war still happened, but the third war didn't. And if the third war doesn't well, happen, Azeroth could be in a much stronger place. It could be in a worse place, too. We don't know. But you could actually do the, the utopian version of Azeroth if you wanted to. And where would we fit into that? I think that's an interesting question. Do I think, do I think that Blizzard is going to go this route? No, I don't. I think it's really, really, really complicated. It's a much more complicated way of solving, and I'm air quoting here, solving a situation than dealing with it. And I think that given the choice of just dealing with it head on or saying, okay, well, we're just going to wave our magic wand and go to a different world, they'd want to deal with it head on because that's, that's a much more, there's more compelling story elements to that. But it's still interesting to think about. I, I mean, think after warlords are not likely to do it, quite no. frankly. But it's still interesting to think about, and we just spent what, like, twenty minutes talking about it. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a fascinating concept. Anyway, uh, this is probably going to be our last email. This is from Vanderlyle from Warm Rest Accord, who says, "Hello, Lore Watchers. After complete completing the recent scenario in which Bane is taken into custody, there are dialogue options for each of the Horde leaders. Which, yeah, we talked about that a little bit already. Rexar says there are others who need to hear of this, and they will." The obvious answer to who might be Thrall. However, given Sourfang's recent location and Rexar's relationship with Nazgul, I believe that the who he was referring to. That's, that's the who he was referring to. Sourfang is going to the Dark Portal to meet Nazgul at Thrallmar, and Rexar will also make an appearance. Thrall might as well be there too, and this is where the Horde conceives the plan to take back their honor. What do you think about that? Um... So they're kind of conjecturing what exactly is going on in the fallout after what happens with Bane, just based on what the different leaders said. Um, Rexar says, yeah, he does say that there are p people who need to hear of this and they will. Do you guys think that he's talking about Sourfang or do you think he's talking about Thrall? Because he has relationships with both of those people. I think Thrall is done out of the picture. I don't think he's what was referring to. I honestly have been thinking since I heard that line that it is going to be Sarfang because they've been setting that up in the way they've been continuing the story. Like if you follow the everything with Sarfang so far, including like whether you're trying to capture him or whether you side with him, regardless of your choice there, that whole event, everything that leads up to that point, there are people that will follow him. And you know that in his own way, he cares about the horde. He cares about the people of the horde and, and, and it is twisted way. His, choices have always been about trying to protect those people. So I fully feel like this is something Rexar would go and find Sarfang because Rexar is wily enough to move without being noticed. He's probably one of the few people that could evade Dark Rangers, probably even Nathanos, uh, and get there without being tracked because it's Rexar, uh, and give him the news and say, look, we need to, we, we need to fix this. Everybody's already starting to question it. The cracks are starting to show. There's an opportunity to take back our honor and get the horde back to where it needs to be. We can save ourselves. And I could see that becoming like the, the seed that starts to germinate into the plan of taking the horde back. What about you, Rossi? Um, part of me doesn't think it's Thrall just for a lot of the reasons that Joe mentioned. Plus Thrall after winning Legion, Thrall seemed pretty demoralized. Like he, mm -hmm. he killed Garrosh um, in Warlords and the, the elements, the elements answered yeah, him. The elements didn't like what he did. The elements didn't think he did the right thing, um, and that kind of shook him. He's got, he's got Agra. He's got his kids. Um, I think Agra's played more of a role after that than he did. I don't think he shows up much at all. 
Um, Correct. It's weird because I was leveling a character recently, and I got up to the point where I hit Cataclysm content. And everything Thrall says when you see the first vision, you know, Citizen of Azeroth, it's time to put petty prejudices aside. It's like, I, I can almost imagine Thrall being like, no, you know what? I already told you people. This is stupid. This faction conflict, this stuff is stupid. I've already said it. How many times have I said it? You keep doing it. I don't, I'm, I'm out. You can fight this one without me. I'm not behind you on this. Um, but I think he is kind of burned out. I, I do think there's a, like, but I'm going to say this. I would actually really love it if they did bring him back now. I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I would. I'd like to see Thrall come back and be a different character like be like somebody who's been through everything thrall's been through somebody who went to an alternate world and saw his parents alive somebody who's had all these experiences i want to see thrall meet his kind of alternate dimension sister slash counterpart um i want to see a lot of stuff i would love to see thrall back um i don't think he's going to come back uh because for one thing i think if he was recording stuff i think chris metzen would say something uh but I would like to see him come back. I would love to see him come back for this. I would like to see him show up and be like, I want to see him move into that Drek'thar role. Like he's been the young brash character who tries to fix everything. And he's been through enough that I think he could be a really good elder shaman. I think he could be an advisor. I think he could move into that role. I would be all about that too, especially with Drek'thar getting up there in age. And, yeah. you know, well, I could see Drek'thar passing and Thrall taking over. Cause here's my thing. What I, what I would want to have happen with the horde at the end of all this, which I don't not saying this is what I think is going to happen, but I would want to have happen is I want Bane to be war chief. I think at this point he's earned it. Um, he's been through enough. He's experienced enough. And I'd love to see Bane as war chief and thrall as the elder statesman counseling mm-hmm. him because it's a really good role reversal from the way the Torn and the, and the orcs originally were. It'd be a great end cap to that, to yeah. that sort of how it started. Right. And I'd like to see it in a situation where I don't necessarily want Sylvanas to die or even be deposed. Like I could just imagine her being told, look, if you want to be in the horde, you're going to have to play by our rules from now on. No more of you running off and making plague whenever you want and just killing everybody. This isn't the way it's going to be in the future. And every leader of the horde is now much more independent. It's it's much more of a council situation where they actually have a voice in the horde's decisions. And I think Bane is the guy who could do that. Bane could be that war chief. I think the you know, he could even get rid of the position of war chief. Even be like, we're not gonna have that anymore. War chief It'd be a council of elders almost. War chief is a title that came from when the horde came across the dark portal. It's not a title we're gonna use anymore. It's not a title we're gonna sustain. It's not who we are anymore. If you and, have a war chief, then you're already saying there is war. Yes. And that's not the Azeroth I want. That's not the you know, if we have to fight, we can fight, but we're not going to be doing it like this anymore. That This is not who we are or who we're going to be going forward. And I'd be interested in that. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them. I, I keep being afraid they're going to kill Sylvanas or take her out. I don't want them to kill Sylvanas or take her out because while she does horrible things, she, she works really well as a catalyst for story, but also all the horrible things Sylvanas does are understandable. You can grasp you can grasp why she does them. You can her motivations are apparent. And I feel like as a character, she's 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 like the the living or undead embodiment of real politic. The things she does, she does because she believes they are necessary or because she is just driven beyond her ability to rationalize any further. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely think she is a character. I don't want her gone. Yeah, and and I and like I said before, I would be I I don't want her gone either for those very same reasons, and I I would rather see almost a redemptive arc for her, you know, let her deal with the things she's done, the weight of the things she's done, and you know, but don't don't fridge or don't kill. I think she's too good of a character for that. Um, going back to Thrall, what I would like to see happen with Thrall is something that we didn't get to see. He's almost well, he's always been kind of a counterpart to Jaina, and we finally got this expansion we we got to see Jaina deal with everything that had happened to her and come to some kind of resolution Ooh, we haven't oh. gotten that with thrall oh what if you know what you know what i'm sorry but what if he shows up to stay her hand to stop her from making the same mistake he did what do you mean he killed garage because yeah. like you know that was what was necessary that was the thing that needed to be done 
what if he shows up to stay her hand from killing Sylvanas? See, quite frankly, I don't want Thrall to show up to stay Jaina's hand ever again. He's already done it once. If, if Jaina decides she's going to kill Sylvanas, I do not want Thrall showing up and trying to talk no, her out of it. In fact, what, what I, think I would, it would like be a mistake. What I would like for Thrall is I would like to see Thrall actually deal with the consequences of his actions. And that's that's something that we got to see Jaina. We, we saw the weight of everything that she has encountered thus far in her life to date from Arthas all the way onward. Everything. Um, and we got to see her kind of take the first steps towards processing all of that and dealing with all of that and stepping into a, a role as, you know, Grand Admiral of Colterius, which is, you know, it's where she belongs. That's fine. Thrall stepped down from the horde and put Garrosh in charge. That was his action. He brought Garrosh back from Outland. That was his action. All of that fallout that happened with Garrosh leading the horde, everything that happened with that, Theramore, even all of that, it was all because of actions that he took. And oh. his 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 reaction to that was to kill Garrosh because it was Garrosh's fault. And the elements said... We're not talking to you anymore because, because it, it wasn't, Garrosh's wasn't fault. It wasn't Garrosh's fault. Even Garrosh says that it's it. He says to him, if "This is all your me. fault that you, you made me." You made do me. It. You made me what I am. You made guys, this happen. Guys, guys, guys! I just, I just remembered something. What? We've seen thralls. You, you remember Jaina and Thros, where she's having the visions and she's seeing everything. Yes. We've seen thrall have a similar experience. But no, he didn't yeah. get resolution. The elemental bond situation, he doesn't get to process any of it. We just see no. that it's killing him. Yeah. We see him being torn apart. We see him, the part where he's raging what Garrosh did to Karen, And he screams, you know, Karen was my brother. And you know, he doesn't, there's no dealing with it. There's no dealing with it then. There's no dealing with it ever. There has never been any dealing with it. There's never been a scene of Bane and Thrall together discussing it there's never been a scene of thrall saying to anyone even when he was fighting garage he doesn't say you killed my brother and imagine if he had because garage would have been i i didn't want to i did See, not and want to kill him that's the thing is and that's kind of the point that i'm trying to make is that he's never had that moment he's never no. gotten that jaina moment and i would like to see him get that kind of moment um i know that people say that you know they're tired of seeing Thrall or whatever but I think that a lot of the reasoning behind that is because Thrall will typically show up and try and make everything okay usually by robbing the player of some degree of agency by doing so so he'll show up for that final duel with Garrosh he'll take care of Garrosh Hellscream or you know he'll show up to strike that final blow or whatever and it leaves everybody feeling really dissatisfied and where does that leave Thrall swooping in to save the day but He's swooping in to save a day that he created without dealing with the fact that he was the one that was the impetus for all of this. And I really want to see him come to terms with that and actually deal with it and do something about it. Because I think that he's a good character. I think that he's got a lot of potential. I just, I don't think, I think that they wrote him kind of into a stalemate like they did with Jaina. And they haven't they've kind of kept their hands off of him and pushed him to the side because people were tired of seeing stories about Thrall. But I'm thinking that maybe, you know, maybe it's time we bring him back again and address some of this. Because if he's going to step up in any kind of advisory role, then he needs to do so with the understanding of what exactly he's done. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that would be one of the interesting things... One of the reasons I've always been really sad that Garrosh is dead, and one of the reasons that I'm really glad that they've introduced the character of Gaiara, is can you imagine his reaction to facing someone who is basically, it's him, but it's not him. It's him all these different ways, like all these ways his life could have been different, raised by Duraton and Draka instead of never yeah. really knowing them, uh, living on Draenor instead of being exiled on a world full of humans. Uh there's just so much there the two of them could do, like the, the confrontation between the two of them. And I've always felt like they're, they, they, they didn't do anything with that idea that, you know, ultimately he killed Garage because Garage killed his friend. When you come right down to it, he didn't kill Garage to save the Horde. He didn't kill Garage to protect Draenor mm -hmm. either. He killed Garage because he was angry at him. 
And that's why the elements turned on him because it was not only did he kill Garrosh using them against their will. Like he didn't ask them. He made them do it. He did it out of rage and not. He did it because yeah. it was this guy's fault. It wasn't my fault. It was this guy's fault. So we're going to take care of him. Which, I mean, seems to be sort of like the biggest thing I think players always had a gripe with with him. And I agree is that it was never Thrall's fault, right? Like nothing was ever his fault. There was always he never something. Took, he never took responsibility for any of it. Now it's time that he does. And I think that would be a great way to to tie up some loose ends and progress the story and have him come back in a capacity that isn't like, that he's no longer the the Mary Sue. He's no longer the one that's always right. And, and I think they set that up where they could do that beautifully. I agree. Okay. Like imagine, imagine him actually just apologizing. Yeah. Like straight up apologizing. You know, I'm sorry. I failed. A tour, a tour of apologies. I don't think he needs to go apologize <laughs> to everybody all no. the time. I think but, he yeah. owes Jaina an apology. I think he owes he Jaina a really big apology. All but, he has to do is say he failed. Yeah. But I, I still, like I said, I think he owes Jaina a really big apology. Cause... I don't necessarily think he needs to apologize to Jaina for not lo- wanting her to kill everyone in Orgrimmar. Because that's kind of a... But he does need to apologize to her for, for how Theramore. he failed. Yeah, for Theramore. Yeah. That he was that he didn't stop it. That he didn't he didn't rein Garrosh in. That he put Garrosh in charge in the first place. That he stepped down to do it. Even if he thought it was important, even if he thought, I've got to try and save the whole planet, he pirate ghosts. Stop. That's my one F-bomb of the episode. But I'm and I'm going to have to bleep that out, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's anyway. my pirate ghost. Because that, that's, I don't think any of the word suits. That's what he did. He messed up that bad. Yeah. And he does need to, he does need to say to her, your people died because I failed. I yeah. failed. And he needs to say that to the Horde, too. I failed you. I, I just, I think, I think that's, that's what I want to see out of Thrall. I want to see that Jaina moment, that, that coming to terms with everything. I think he needs that. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up for the show because we're kind of over time here. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, if you guys have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast.blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure to put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Um, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch and Lore Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, one of the books that we were talking about fairly frequently throughout this episode is War Crimes. There is an audiobook version of War Crimes. It is available on Audible still, to my knowledge. I think it's still there. Uh, You can pick that as your free audiobook download and give that a listen if you're wondering what all of the crazy nonsense about weird stuff coming through portals. Yeah, War Crimes was a really good book. It was written by Christy Golden. Um, I don't believe that she does the audiobook recording. I believe it was somebody else, but I can't think of their name off the top of my head. However... If you want to check that out, you can download that. You can download a bunch of Blizzard's other titles, or you can download any of the thousands and thousands of other books that are available on Audible by going to blizzardwatch.com audible and signing up for a free 30-day trial. Okay, final thoughts, you guys. If Bane becomes War Chief, and I'm, I'm not going to say War Chief even, because we were talking about, like, a council, right? A council-type situation. Who would actually lead the orcs in that situation? Because we're talking about Thrall being an advisor, like in an advisory aspect. Sourfang is older than Thrall. So who would actually, who do you think would be likely to step up and actually lead the orcs? Joe. It's a weird question because I think all the ones that are viable that would fit that role are a little bit older. Like Sourfang is an obvious choice, but what about Etrig? Like he's another one that's, he's, he's considered wise, uh, but he's older. Um, he was disregarded by Garrosh Hellscream when he was around. Uh, but what if he were to take over that role? Because uh, he's always been sort of that wise advisor. But what if he sits on the council as that member? I don't know. I I, I could I personally only really see it being Sarfang or Etrig for my money. I just can't see any of the younger generation at this point, which is why I'm kind of like posing this question. Rossi, do you have any additional thoughts on that? Uh, either Nazgrel who's you know currently the commander out in in uh on the hellfire peninsula 
because he is one of Thrall's most trusted, because he's relatively isolated from all the politics, because he's been in a war front station for years, mm-hmm. uh, because he's, you know, he is known and, you know, he's the one that they're going to. Like, that's, you know, Starfang's going to get him, so they know of him and they know how important he is. Um, Rexar is another possibility, although I, he would never do it. Yeah, he wouldn't. Rexar would would never do it. He'd do it long enough to get someone else in there, and then he wouldn't do it. Um, because he is not, he doesn't consider himself a true orc. Um, you know, he's, he's a Mach Nathal, uh, but he's, he's another possibility. Another possibility is, um, I can't remember. There's the two sisters, uh, Gorgana and, yeah, Krenna and Gorgana and Krenna's still alive. As far as I know, Gorgana's the one that died. Um, so Krenna actually wouldn't be a bad solution. Uh, if she hadn't gotten herself killed, um, and she hadn't joined and allied with Garrosh in the first place. The uh, head of the of the Dragon Maw would have been great. She was. I, I still miss her. Azela. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, not Azela. Yeah. Just. But yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say either, either Krenna or Nazgrim. No, uh, Nazgrim. Uh, those two are the. Nazgrim's a Frostwolf too, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's he's not young because he fought in the Second War, but he's not as old as Itrig or Sarfang. He was a young orc at the time. So now he's not young, but he's not super old either. He's younger than those guys are. So he's he's in a decent place. He's he's got more experience than Thrall did when he took the job of leading the orcs. And most orcs would know him and respect him. They would. He's not necessarily. He's he's not necessarily anybody's first choice for this job, but that's why he might be good at it because everybody would know him as a solid backup, and so they'd be willing to take him since it's not the war chief position. They'd be like, ah, yeah, no, Nazgul, yeah, he's done some good things. We know him. Yeah, okay, that guy, that guy'd work. Okay, too bad Ariat got transformed into a, a dire orc. <laughs> I that would have been. See, and I like the idea of Krenna. The only problem with that is that Krenna had this wonderful story in Wrath, and then we never heard from her again. Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, but in that short story that she was in, um, the one with Garrosh Hellscream, was it Heart of War? I think it was something like that. Um, She was presented as a very interesting character, and she was presented as somebody who could stand in that position, but like nothing's been done with her. She's just faded into the background. Which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Anyway, well, it's food for thought and stuff to chew on. And that's really all we can ask for here. So, yeah, thank you guys, as always, for listening. And we will see you again in two weeks. (laughs) 